Welcome to the Forest Educator Podcast. I'm Ricardo Sierra. I'm talking today with Sharon Cortez of the Forest School Philippines, and we are talking from opposite sides of the world through the magic of science. And I am so excited because when I saw your website and your posts that you have on Instagram, I really looked at all your pictures and I was just so interested because I don't really know that much about the Philippines and Mm. the culture. And I just imagine that it's probably very different and unique. And so I'm just really excited that you're here to be able to ask you lots of questions. So thank you for uh, joining us and being on the show. Yeah, thank you for inviting me, Rick. Like I told you, it's a bit intimidating to be interviewed by someone on the other side of the world. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know. And and compared to your like decades of experience versus mine. So I, I think I'd be learning more from you. <laughs> yeah, we'll just keep, we'll learn from each other. That's like the best of everything. But yeah, I'm interested about... What kind of uh, program and schools, uh, what kind of ages do you work with? Are you in the city or in the country? Uh, Tell us a little bit about your school and about what's going on there. Okay, so where I live right now is south of Manila. So Manila is the capital of the Philippines. That's the busiest part. That's where you don't want to go to (laughs) because of the traffic and all. There are, I don't know, there are a few parks. Uh, So the, where I live now, Tagaytay, is in the province of Cavite. Here we have I don't know, more forests, more naturals. And in any forest school setting, your environment really, your school, our school is the outdoors. Honestly, I've had different locations already, starting yeah. from, from pre-pandemic to mm-hmm. now. I've changed, I think, four locations already. So where I hold my sessions now, it, there are two one is in Laguna. So the one in Laguna is actually a private area, but the owners have kids who wanted me to hold forest school there So for their children. So we just have a small place. It has mahogany trees, and we just stay there. So we try to hold the activities there. I introduce tools to the kids because there's not really much experiences so to say because it's just mahogany the other location on the other hand is in silang it's in in international institute of rural reconstruction also a private place Uh but it's a place that i just stumbled upon but it's really like a forest and they the founders have preserved that place and it's for me it offers a richer experience for the children mm-hmm. because there's just more wildlife, different kinds yeah. of trees. And then when you have different kinds of trees and there are different kinds of bugs that you see also. So our experience there is pretty much different than the one in Laguna just because I don't even have to prepare any activities or experiences because nature itself provides the magic. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah. So it just, it's easy to go there because you can just go. And whereas the other one, you just want to make sure you have other things like tools and other supplies for them to get curious and and create creative or whatever. Yeah, that's great. So is it summer there right now? Is it, do you have a summer and winter in the, are you near the equator? Yes, we're near the equator and we don't have winter. We only have sunny or rainy, (laughs) sunny or rainy days. (laughs) Right. Right. So are you in the rainy period now or is it? Yeah. So towards, oh, well, Towards the end of the rainy season, so around this time until about January or February, it's colder, so to speak. It's not as cold with what you have there in the West. Yeah, Yeah, no, we it's cold. We haven't had really snow, but it has been very cold at night here in where I live in New York. When you say it's cold, is it still pretty warm overall, though, for you? Yes, pretty warm. And so where I live now, Tagaytay, it's colder than the other places. In the evenings, it can get 19 to 22 degrees Celsius. Okay. So I don't know if you do Fahrenheit there, right? Yeah, yeah. So I have to convert it, but I can do that another time. But yeah, that's a little bit cold, right? So that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so do the children feel comfortable when it's if it when it's raining? Is it just really raining hard, or is it on and off like showers? In the rainy season, there are times when it's just drizzling, and then it pours after the session. So that part I am grateful for. <laughs> Good, because otherwise the kids will just stay in the under the shelter. And but for other kids. Rain brings another element to the experience, right? Yeah. Because they love, kids love jumping on puddles, and sometimes they dig. So there's also mud that happens. So they right. make, I don't know, others, other kids, they say, poop soup. <laughs> so oh, yeah. their creativity is activated. There are different things that, it's, it's beautiful <laughs> yeah. when it rains. Yeah, so it's like all this moisture flowing. Everything's flowing around in little streams, and they can play with it. That sounds really cool to, to see. So what kind of, like, fruit? Do you have a lot of fruit there growing wild, too? Are there foods that you can get from the forest? In my location, the first one in Laguna, no fruits. The other one, wild, like passion fruit oh wow yeah so that's the only fruit i think that we have foraged so far oh nice i that's yeah everything that you're saying is like really exciting for me because i've seen passion fruit in a store here but i've never i don't have any idea like what that tree looks like or how it grows or anything. So it's it's very different than where we are. Yeah, it's a vine. Oh, it is. That's right. That's right. I remember hearing <laughs> yeah. about that. Nice. Passion fruit is a vine. And so, so sometimes during our walk, we just see the fruit on the ground and just pick it up. So nice. I, I take out my knife and open it. I ask the kids, or oh, who among you wants to try or to taste it? <laughs> so those who like sour, and I tell them ahead of time that, okay, this is sour, so that it manages their expectations. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Wow. 
Yeah, that's really fun. So what ages are you working with? Are they very small, young children or... Do you work with what ages specifically? Yeah. So right now I accept kids from three to 12 years old. Before I had, yeah, before I had an infant program, which accepts any age walking (laughs) or crawling until the age of three. So there was a time I also did that program and parents usually join that session. Yeah. Oh, that's nice for the parents to also get comfortable outside or working with that. That's really, that's wonderful. Would you say, like here in America, there's a, a so many children who are not going outside, many adults, most adults not going outside. Is that, do you think that's the same in your area, like in the cities and in the country there? Are there people that stay inside more and going outside is really strange for them or is it something that they're very comfortable i think it's the same worldwide because Uh there are challenges first of all you know when you live in the city and there's no access to nature then it becomes more difficult so people but you you don't really go outside unless you're intentional about it yeah and I guess it's a general phenomenon that people nowadays are scared to go outside because issues about kidnapping or the kids getting into an accident. So the ones that you're encountering there in the States is the same over here. I guess one thing that I'm thankful for that happened during the pandemic was that people or the families Because here in the Philippines, during the pandemic, we were really locked down for a long time. Really? And we'd have to get permits just to get outside of the house or just to go outside the different barangay or village. And -hmm. it was too straining or too stressful, even for families. So there there was a time that the people were just looking for places where they can breathe, (laughs) (laughs) go out. And they're they're sick and tired of just being inside the room, inside the house. So what that brought, though, was the appreciation for the outdoors. So during that time, people were really looking for places where they can bring the kids outside. And there's even, interestingly, there's even a Facebook group that was created called Pede Bata. Pede bata means children are allowed because during the pandemic, there was the restaurants, hotels, children were not allowed because they're scared of the, vi- of the virus. Yeah. So I've had a few families joining the sessions because we just want to get out of the house. <laughs> Everybody wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was really nice uh, to see during the pandemic. Sometimes we could drive. We live in a very, in the countryside. And we would sometimes just go for a drive into places we hadn't explored. And you could see families walking and children play. Like people would get outside and and do things that normally you would not see that very often. And it seemed like they they were doing more things as a family and also um, walking around was really nice to see in a lot of ways. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Would you say that... What kind of the one question I had is, are there things that you have to be careful about 
in the outdoors? Are there things that you have in the Philippines that you are worried? I know in like Australia, they have like different kinds of snakes and spiders and things. Is uh, how do, how is the is the nature where you are? Is it pretty easy to have the children out there, or do you have to watch for anything? I think snakes also, but the thing is, we I tell the kids how to what to do when they think that there's a snake, or where when there's a snake passing by. During my sessions, I haven't actually seen a snake. Yeah, but. There were instances where we saw the skin, uh-huh. snake skin. So you know that there are snakes in the area. Yeah, so it's just a matter of informing the kids. Okay, kids, this is the wild. Yeah. <laughs> and there's right. a possibility of encountering snakes. So this is what we do. So we, I, I tell them when you venture into a wild area, make sure that you bring a stick and then make noises so that they know you that you, so that they are aware the snakes are aware of your presence and that if you know if you try to attack them they may strike back only because they feel threatened yeah yeah so right. yeah just telling kids how to be safe another thing i guess would be a, a certain kind of plant wherein it looks pretty harmless but i was told by locals in the area that if you touch it it has i think invisible or very tiny needles i think so if you touch it it can get really irritating yeah but those that kind of plant is only present in certain locations yeah, that, yeah, we have things like that here. There's like nettles where if you touch them, it, it'll make your skin turn red and get it. It feels like a burning sometimes. And we have other plants that will make you itch that are like a, a vine with the oil on it. But yeah, but that's true all over. There's always something in the environment that we have to look out for. It seems. Yeah. Do you have uh, a lot of different insects? I would imagine. There'd be lots of of different kinds of like butterflies and things that move across the trees and everything. Yeah, to be honest, I don't even know all their names. But sure. No, that's okay. <laughs> I yeah. just use the general term bug or mm-hmm. insect. Yeah. And so in one of our locations, there's just one season where there are cicadas. Oh, Cicada. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And... We'd actually hear them. Mm-hmm. So they are very noisy. Yeah, very loud. Then, yeah, very loud. And then after that, we'd see, we just know because they'd leave the exuviae, the exoskeleton yeah, on the, the branches yeah. of the trees. Yeah. So that's one learning lesson for the kids. They'd see it on the on the trunk and then they say what's this is this alive so at first they get scared because it looks like the shape of the cicada but then i say oh it's just a skeleton it's it's not alive anymore and another thing that's prominent in all our walks would be the termites oh wow yeah that's right yeah because they're so when it gets rainy and then you when you lift the logs so underneath you see termites so Kids know that they love wood. They like to eat the... <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, that's right. So um, there's just they're crawling around and some of them have like wings probably that fly. Wow, that's mm -hmm. cool. So they must yeah, like so that. Those are, yeah, those are the common common ones. And aside, I guess from the insects, when it rains, you'd see different kinds of mushrooms. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah it, it just varies. And like I said, I don't know the names to all the mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but by default, I just tell the kids, okay, let us assume that these mushrooms are poisonous. Do not touch them with your bare hands and just use sticks. Or in case someone very, very curious yeah. <laughs> really touches it before I finish my safety talk, then okay, just wash your hands before you put something in your mouth. Yeah. But it's interesting to see those those things that I haven't really seen growing up. Yeah. I didn't also grow up outdoors. So okay. to be able yeah. to see the magic with the children right now, yeah. That's great. I was going to ask you, where did you grow up? Or did you grow up in that area or did you live in the city? I lived in the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, I grew up there, worked there for a while, and then transferred to the north of the Philippines, worked there for a while, and then relocated here about 10 years ago in in the south. Okay. So, yeah. And were you working, were you working with children or teaching at that time or no? <laughs> Yeah, so that's a different story to tell. Okay. Yeah, so you but you started teaching and did how did you find uh, forest school and what was your training like? What was what inspired you to do this kind of work? Was it uh, something did, is it because you had children and you wanted them outside or or what uh what made you uh get into this thing? Yeah, so it's a very personal, I guess, mission for me. Mm -hmm. So after, and I think education was really already something dear to my heart. It was just not, I know, unleashed. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I took up business management in college. And then right after that, my father built a business located in the north of the Philippines. So after I after school, I had a few teaching stints or teaching mm -hmm. trainings. There was one in Montessori and the other one I was teaching students how to use the computer because they, yeah. there wasn't even an internet. <laughs> yeah. So I was there playing with the education industry but didn't really have a chance. So I helped out in the family business in the family business, but I always felt that I was a round peg in a square hole, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I was contributing something meaningful and then I had a thought in my mind I said I don't want to die doing this yeah I want to die being able to live my purpose using my core gifts <laughs> that's right so it was a long personal search mm -hmm. until that search led me to three things that I love which is the outdoors education or learning and children so when I realized that those were the three things that I loved, interestingly, I saw a post on Facebook. Wow, so really? There was, 
Yeah, there was a video about forest kindergartens in Germany or Switzerland, I think. And when I saw it, my heart skipped a beat. <laughs> this is it. This is the thing that I want to do. So <laughs> I, yeah, so I started searching for training in the Philippines, but I didn't find any. Until one friend told me, you know what? What's similar to forest school will be Waldorf. Oh yeah. So I said, okay, I haven't heard of Waldorf before. So I started searching again. And interestingly, there was a training in the Philippines for Waldorf. Yeah. So I did that for a few years. I, I attended the trainings. I even volunteered to assist in one of their sessions. But I guess I realized that I couldn't fully embrace the Waldorf philosophy. That's why I searched back again so i said maybe even if it's somewhere in asia as long as it's not it's not the uk or the us the training and that's when i found forest school singapore oh wow um, yeah so i think you should also interview them forest school singapore because they've oh. done a good job yeah that's right i'm i'm on their list i'm gonna go for it i, I want to hear about them too yeah 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 so i reached out to <laughs> Darren, he's the principal, and then I also asked if I can observe. Because for me, I I wouldn't want to jump into forest school right away, investing in the training and all, flying to another country without even the assurance that it's the thing that I really wanted. Yeah, Forest School Singapore was gracious enough to let me observe one of their sessions and when I was there, I was like, ah, this is it. So there was, yeah. it was confirmed that, yeah, I want this thing. So I asked Darren, so Darren, where did you get your training? He said, oh, the UK. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but interestingly, also that they have, they offer a, an online training. So I enrolled in the forest school under Archimedes. So that's a training provider. And then I think that's when COVID hit. So everything I had to do by myself, I have to record myself using, showing how to, showing that I know how to use the tools, how to set up how to make fire and so on yeah. and finally i received the my certification during the pandemic also yeah. that's how the training started so for me it's and there was no other for there's no other forest schoolers here in the philippines so i just have to brave it <laughs> yeah. jump right in yeah because that's the best way to learn yeah yeah, that's I, I had that feeling about that you were uh, pioneering doing that for the first time there. That was the sense I got. And I just thought that must be it's very exciting. At the same time, it's difficult. It's a, I know what it's like to do things that you haven't ever done before. And it's scary. And it's a little frustrating because you wish you could just call someone and say, hey, how do I do this? And and there's nobody to model after it in your area. Yes, you could go to Ireland or Scotland, but that's not going to be the same as being in the jungle where the forest with the mahogany trees and the and everything else. So yeah, just I, I just imagined myself in your shoes and thought, wow, this is a really amazing thing what you're doing. 
bringing this. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's been challenging, but that's the best way we learn. Yeah. <laughs> By making mistakes and then and that's how forest school is. It's very forgiving. It's not judgmental. That's how we're supposed to learn. Yeah. By just doing it by making mistakes and yeah. <laughs> and that's what the children are doing every day too. So they're learning and doing things for the first time. And yeah, that's amazing. That's really amazing. So one question I had was, do you, have you had any schools that are curious about what you do? Or do you mostly just work with parents who just want more nature? Is it something that you're doing with other in uh, groups or businesses or anything? Or is it just your thing? Yeah, so right now it's just the families. Yep. There was, I partnered with a school, I think at the beginning of the year. But so it's a Montessori school and there are, there's, there are really similarities. Montessori, taking kids to nature, forest school, it's the same thing. Yeah. And so the owner wanted to offer forest school to their students. So I partnered with them. But it was just too far. Yeah. <laughs> so from here, I go to their farm in in Rizal. And the commute, just going there, takes me two hours, one way. Oh, wow. Yeah. Driving. And the session, our session is only an hour and a half. And then I have to go back here again another two hours. Right. Until I said, sorry, it's just not sure. worth the time and effort. And I love the children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, that's hard. It's hard when there are children there, but you just can't quite do it, figure it out. But yeah, it's good that they were interested. So that's a nice thing just to know that. And, but yeah, I actually, when I was very small, I was uh, in Waldorf school as, as well. And I know they have a lot of nature and crafts and skills and things too. So I'm familiar with a little bit of their process, but yeah, forest school is a little bit different. So it's a different approach for sure. Yeah. So tell me also a little bit about like when you take the children, uh, do you have like food there? Are they there for a long time with you or, or is it, is it just for a couple of hours at each time? Yeah. So the forest school sessions are only for two hours and we meet only once a week. Children bring their own food because I've had kids who have allergies. So, yeah, <laughs> I just want to remove that out of my responsibility or accountability. And yeah. so also at the beginning of every session, we tell kids that other children have allergies. You eat your own food. Others also share the, the yeah. kids with allergies. They just know that they have to say no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so and that's, that's good. Yeah, so the forest school offering is just like a, it's not like real school that we meet every day or three times a week, but more like an enrichment program. Mm -hmm. So the kids joining the forest school are already enrolled in other formal schools. And you said you have between ages three and 12. So that's a, a really nice mix of children and they help each other and teach each other and everything that must be really nice yeah so i've been a believer of mixed ages because mm -hmm. it like what you said the older kids they get to practice leadership skills oh. as they 
get to model, they get to teach the younger kids. So they practice becoming the older brother or, or the older sister to the young ones in the group. On the other hand, the, the younger kids, they learn faster mm-hmm. in the sense that they see the older kids, oh, that kid can climb the tree, so maybe I can do that too. Yeah. Oh, this kid can hang on the rope. Maybe I can do that too. Yeah. So in that sense, both age groups are benefiting from being together. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's right. It's just like a family. So in a family, when you have a large family, there's a lot more interactive action and communication skills grow and you express yourself. And I know that sometimes I've had groups in my, when I've been teaching where the group was always quiet. They were just always quiet. And I remember asking the teacher, I was like, why are they so quiet? Is this normal? And they said, oh, she told me all of the children are from single child homes. So they are used to doing their thing, not getting into a big fight, not, they're not used to that kind of uh, interaction. So (laughs) she said it was really strange. But yeah, it's nice when they're when everyone's all together and can they can learn from each other even when they're not doing anything, just talking and and exploring or whatever and playing games is it's a really rich environment. I think for, sounds like this is really fun. What else uh, can I ask? I, I have I still have ten questions. But so for parents, do you see a difference when the children arrive and then? They are in the program for a while. Do the parents ever tell you anything about what their children like are learning or do they, are they happy with how um, their children grow in your program? Yeah, I think they wouldn't send the kids again if they didn't think, didn't see any difference or on the outcomes. So they don't report. Report, they don't report to me or (laughs) they don't share particular um, outcomes but just the fact that they bring the children again so I guess that means something yes absolutely absolutely yeah it's interesting because some cultures probably I, I don't know the Filipino culture so I don't know exactly sometimes I know in Japan sometimes it's very private when it's a family matter or something and but it's just interesting to see like how how those children grow and then how do you communicate that or share about that do you have trouble finding parents and children to join your school or do you is that pretty easy uh hmm. i guess it's a mix of both Mm -hmm. i'm not sure the number one reason i'm thinking that is making it difficult for families is because of my location. Okay. So I'm not in Manila. And for the families to come to forest school, they usually have to travel 40 or 60 kilometers right. just to join the session. So I'm just thinking that's one challenge because they're mostly based in Manila. And the second will be, although there is now an awareness of programs and progressive school, I feel like I still have to educate the public about how forest school is different and what we really 
offer or the outcomes. Some families still come to me and ask, so what activities are you going to give the children? And so I explain to them that we really, so forest school is child-centered. And yeah. although we have themes or we have sessions planned, we have experiences that we want to offer this day. But since it's learner-centered, our plan is always plan B. Yeah. <laughs> So that always changed. And um, so sometimes I guess it's difficult for families to understand that. I don't know, probably they're thinking, but that's what I'm paying you for to give them yeah. a piece. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's what we used to do. That's what we're used to. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I do my best in a way to convert what's happening during the sessions into stories. Because I feel that's the best way they understand the process. Yeah. That, okay, even if there are no activities, but if you really look into the child's play, you know that they are grasping concepts on numeracy or literacy mm-hmm. or just developing stronger bodies when they climb a tree or when they hang on ropes. And mm-hmm. even the movement, the physical movement that's going on in their bodies is helping the child grow as a whole person. So that's yeah. holistic development. So I guess it's, I still have a long way to go to educate families about the benefits of forest school and just how the approach mm-hmm. is different than the traditional methods of teaching them and giving them activities. So, you know how they say that education is really not the lighting of a spark, but sorry, filling, it's not filling of a pail, but lighting a spark in your child. So that's how we do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. I a hundred percent believe in that. And I think it's been interesting here in America because there's a lot of people talking about nature and saying how important it is. And so it's becoming more popular and people are looking for ways to do it. But I could imagine in the Philippines, because you're the first one and the majority of people might not even know that it's out there. So yeah, it's a lot of work to just do your school. And then on top of that, also have to market it and communicate and make posts and do all that work. You have to wear a lot of hats and be constantly working. And that's a lot. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. No, I do. I know. I know exactly. Yeah. It's working all to all the time. Do you see, what do you see in the future for your school? Do you think that you will maybe try to find a location a little bit closer to Manila to try to see if you can do an extra day there or keep looking for different locations as you grow? Yeah, so the plan is to really look for partners or for mm-hmm. operators so that, because now I'm really feeling the weight of yeah. the work that has to be done. So not just operationally being with the kids, the stuff that you mentioned, marketing, admin, and all. Right now, I am fortunate to have a partner in Cebu. So we have mm-hmm. forest school in Cebu that is in the south of the Philippines. So that's in the Visayas Island. And the partnership is just amazing But because Mimi, she's also 
she's an educator and she has a background on kids with special needs. So, and for her, she has she has a four, I don't know, four or five-year-old daughter now. So she brings her daughter with her during the sessions. And that part is just natural. And kids are just drawn to doing the sessions with her. So in terms of the next steps, that's how that's I guess that's how I see uh Forest School Philippines growing. It has been my dream really to, to bring forest schools to other parts of the country. I guess I'm not actively looking for it before I was looking for, hey, maybe someone in Bohol or maybe someone in Davao and all that. But I guess for me, I will just attract. <laughs> yeah. Attract people who are in the same mindset. Yeah. Because I feel that's easier than reaching out to people. And on the other hand, yeah, more most of the market is really in Manila. So I'm hoping to find forest school to train forest school leaders that will start there. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that I was talking to this woman, Angela Hanscom. And she, she's an occupational therapist, so she works with children with their muscular, their strength and tone and balance and everything else. And she was talking about how important it is and how she's been partnering with universities and schools because there's a medical professional who is... So they said, oh, rather than do all their exercises inside and walking on a, a special beam or doing that, we could just go outside and do the same thing and get all the benefits of being outside. And so it, it really helped me to see that that maybe there's a way to partner with uh, or talk to occupational therapists and say, would you be interested in doing a session once a week or twice a week for some of their patients to <clears throat> sign up for that if there are children who are showing up that could use help. And then that's a kind of a nice way because the medical profession is respected oftentimes. So they give a lot of credibility to the program. And it's so that it's interesting what she's doing. And, and so I, I just was wondering if maybe that would be a good partnership maybe to explore and see, because yeah, I don't know, you know, yeah. Okay, first of all, I love Angela's book, ba Balance yeah. and Barefoot. <laughs> yes, isn't that that's such a great book, yeah. Yeah, it is. I, even I learned a lot in how she just um, makes the, the connection with the movement, the body, and being out in nature. And also to, to what you said about partnering with therapists. So I had one therapist, actually I've had several People ask me if I accept children who are in therapy. And I'm like, sure, let's explore the partnership. Yeah. But of course, I, I recognize, like what you said, I respect their authority in the industry. And I'd be happy to, to just test or just have one yeah. student just to get it started. But it hasn't um, come to fruition yet. I'm just, I'm just telling them, Come, let's do it. I'm open arms. Let's see how nature and movement can really change the children's lives. So yeah. No, that's true. That's really true. And sometimes it does. It takes a little bit of time. 
to, so it's not always quick, right? Like I've worked with colleges and when you work with a university, there's a lot of meetings and there's like talking to people and then proposals and then like really getting down to it. And then sometimes they go, oh, we can't do it this year, maybe next year. And you just wait and wait. And then all of a sudden they go, okay, we're doing it. And then you're like, what? (laughs) <laughs> but so be be aware that could happen at some point because once they say yes, then that they really like yeah. to go and it's nice. But yeah, there's a lot of networking in a business like yours and like Nature Forest Educator. This idea of meeting people, getting to know what they do and finding out what their needs are. There's a lot of going out to lunch or just t- trying to get meetings with them because it's nice to just let get on everybody's same page a little bit, get to know each other. And then sometimes it takes a year or two years, but then you start getting really well known. So I could imagine that if you're able to keep doing a little bit of that every once in a while, it's really super helpful. Yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting for that day when one OT or PT will just say, I'll bring my kids there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just keep inviting them. That's all I can say is just keep keep inviting them. Send them an email or something. Keep sending this up and saying, hey, I'm doing this program. Come on out, please. And see, because you never know. Somebody's going to say yes before long. That's for sure. So. But thanks yeah, for well, that idea. <laughs> sure. I, I don't know. It, I just got that from Angela because I when I heard her story, I was really happy to hear that because it makes so much sense. And and when it's when it's an OT or PT, then you know oftentimes the schools will listen to that. The, the schools that are preschools where they're inside all the time, or kindergarten where they're inside, if they suddenly see that this is a medical thing and it's been validated, then sometimes they're ready to go. All right, hey, if that's what it is, then they're on board. So yeah. you never know. You could be ready. It's going to be, it'll be, eventually it will start to make inroads, I I believe. So, but it's very exciting. I'm just really happy for you. I I know how much work it is, so I can really feel that. Um, but it makes me really happy. I love seeing your Instagram and seeing the children and thinking about the forest there and the nature there too. Yeah, it's really great. Now, I was going to ask you one other thing. Oh, do you have like, bamboo and other types of vegetation in some of the forests there or do you is there is the terrain really different throughout the philippines like do you have really tall trees in some places or farms i don't know that much about your country we have a lot of bamboo so where where i'm holding the sessions now yeah so there's a clump that we pass by going through the trail and there are native trees Mm -hmm. there are what's the opposite of native yeah yeah planted (laughs) introduced (laughs) introduced introduced. yeah yeah absolutely yeah we get the mix of and, and i guess the variety of species also varies per location sure Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to have to learn a little bit about it because I, I, yeah, I didn't really ever study the Philippines that much, but I, it's all that area of the world is something that's really fascinating to me. Yeah. So you haven't been to our country? Not yet. Not yet. I'm hoping to someday. And I want to go to the Philippines and Australia and 
any other places, Singapore. I, I don't mm. know if there's any forest schools in China or wherever, but I want to learn. I want to learn and find out. But I know they have a lot in uh, Australia, right? Are you close yeah. to Australia, near Australia, or is that pretty far? I think it's an. I think it's a four-hour flight. I'm okay. Not sure. Yeah, because they have a lot of schools there too for training and stuff. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to be on this show and sharing this because I found it really wonderful, I, and I'm just really glad your English is excellent. Like I just, you're everything about your what you're doing is awesome. Thank you, Rick. And now, uh, is there any? What would be the best place uh, for people to find you? Is it just the ForestSchoolPhilippines.com? Is that what people would look for or find your uh, Instagram? Yeah. So I, I put more content in Instagram and I, I think it is, it's more updated for yes. school PH. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, it's too much work to be in different channels. <laughs> yes, that's true. A lot of people now are using Instagram and I was talking to some uh, educators and they said, Oh yeah, a lot of people aren't even using, they're not even making a website. They just put things out on Instagram. And I thought that would save me a lot of time. So right. I'm, I'm looking into it too. Um, but yeah, I would say, please, anybody that's listened to this, follow, follow this school, find out what Sharon's doing, see what they're up to. And yeah, it's, if anybody out there is in the Philippines and wants to go, please, by all means, get connected because this is a wonderful thing and I wish you the best and I'll, I'll hopefully try to check in with you maybe in a few months and see how you're doing. Yeah. Come. Yeah. And if I get ever get connected to an OT or PT, I'll keep you updated. <laughs> yes, please do. Please do. I really love hearing about people's successes and also challenges because I feel like with educators, we're all in this together and so when somebody discovers something that's really helpful, I really like to share that. So I'm going to just keep uh, sharing that on my podcast and I'll try to keep everybody in the loop. But yeah. Thank you. Thank you again for doing this. Thank you. Honors mine also. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's episode and for all the things that you do to help build a world that is connected to nature. You can get access to the bonus episodes, my forest educator nature journals and curriculum, as well as other useful content by subscribing to my Patreon page where you can support us at any level. You can find the link in the show notes for that and my website and social media as well. And I will see you outside.